Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today I have a real treat for you. I'm very excited. Have you ever heard of one of those people that are psychic to the stars? Well, we'll be talking to someone who is the real deal today. Her name is Laura Scott, and she is a world-renowned author, psychic, spiritual teacher, and channel for healing. In fact, for over 21 years, she's been making profound differences in the lives of thousands of people. Laura has been tested and is rated as one of the top psychic mediums in the world, but she's much more than that. She has the ability to channel divine beings to give clients the best information for soul growth to occur. She talks about the committee, and I'm excited to hear her share about that, to find out who they are. And, you know, we've talked on the show a number of times, and we've all heard about the importance of meditation. Well, Laura just released Meditation Magic and Miracles, which is a new downloadable package to help all of us learn, relax, and recharge with meditation. Her website is ancientstardust.com. So without further ado, Laura Scott, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, Sandra. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm super (laughs) happy, super happy. I know we're all great people, but sometimes I get just super excited, like, oh my gosh, I got Laura Scott on the phone. (laughs) I'll just set that aside, but that's what happens with me. Lots of excitement. So, Laura, if you wouldn't mind just talking to us a little bit, because did you just wake up one day and you were going to be a channeler, or do you want to give a little bit of your past that kind of brought you to present day? Um, well, as you probably heard from other guests that you've had on the show, I was always a little bit different growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not, I, I'm going to, I'm going to say a few things off the top. I, I always knew when I was a kid that this was my last go around. I'm a last lifer here. Wow. And I knew that from my earliest memories. And I also had an ongoing conversation with God from very early time. And, and that was that I thought God had dropped me into the wrong house and, and family experience. And I was really concerned that I belonged like a few streets over. <laughs> so my conversations with God began really early. And like many old souls and um, some last lifers, we often stack the deck. So it, my childhood experience was very challenging for me. Um, I incarnated in with, with soul, a soul family group that was... Um, not vibrating at the same level as me, which I pre-selected, but it certainly had its challenges. Mm -hmm. And my conversations with God um, and, you know, wanting to know why and how and what was going on were were pretty deep for a young kid. Um, And I learned how to use my gifts, which I got into a lot of trouble for, um, knowing too much. I got a lot of beatings for that. And I learned how to kind of push it to the side or use it to give the people around me what they needed and keep them happy. So I kind of, um, I want to say, managed it in a way that made it okay for me to have surviving skills as a young person. And then when I was in intermediate school, um, I was raised Catholic, and we went off on this great field trip to a shrine, which was part of all the CCD curriculum. Yep. And prior to that, do you remember those? I sure do. Yeah, yeah. And prior to the field trip, I remember contact coming in to me 
I was super, you know, aware of these, you know, voices and the anticipation and not just because it was a field trip, there was more happening. And, um, arriving at the site and filled with the most incredible sense of peace, joy, love. I felt at home and I felt really safe, a feeling that was more foreign to me in, in, you know, emotional, physical, spiritual sense. And I loved it. I was in love as a young intermediate person. And I, all the way home from that trip, I had was deciding in my head that I was going to work for God and the logical conclusion was, therefore, I probably will be a nun. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And, Good and Catholic so when girl. I came home and announced it, though, we're like, great, important decision. I'm going to, how was your field trip? I'm going to be a nun. It didn't really go over. It kind of hit with a thud and not with a hurrah. <laughs> right. And I got, I caught another beating for that. But what never left me was that um, I knew in my heart, I work for God. And nothing on the surface would change that. Um, I just knew in my heart that it would sort of sort itself out. And then I got to a place, you know, where I kind of pushed things aside. Um, it was confusing through the teen years, but I knew stuff that I wasn't supposed to know. I was seeing a lot of earthbound energy. I was definitely disrupted um, by by that. Although I would often ride my bike off and just hang out in the cemetery because it made sense to me. I can't explain why, but it was an oasis to me. The number one destination that I rode off to was very much the the cemetery. Interesting. <laughs> weird out. Would weird out the people who sometimes we bike ride with me, but but that's where I went, and um, it just it just was what it was. I but I kept it pushed down, and when it really started to open up bigger, was I fell head over heels um, in love in my twenties, and for the first time began to feel safe. And then when I got, as I got married and. It was just the inside joke between my uh, my now husband and I, um, <laughs> but at the time, <laughs> uh, he and I would have this, this, you know, the roof really blew off for me because I felt safe and it was accepted and um, I, it was just like, let the ponies run. And it just began to just take all kinds of twists and turns for me. And um, I had experience after experience where I would just, you know, be kind of in shock and awe of the things that would start coming through. Like um, an example I could give of that, I would say something's going on with our landlord and I really need to reach out to her. There's something going on. She's got a big health issue and I really want to connect with her. And it would be testering me like as if I was a, a whole group of helium balloons were tied to me and they were following me wherever I go and it was getting annoying as heck. And I had to talk to her about it. Wow. And so I eventually figured out a way to like write, uh, kind of an eloquent, gentle, articulate note to her and say, how are you? And I've been thinking of you and are you okay? And it's really been on my mind and on my heart and are you okay? And it took her a little bit of time to write back and it turned out um, she wasn't okay. And she actually was um, fighting a battle with ovarian cancer hmm. and um, embarking on a big journey. And um, she fought that battle for uh, bravely for several years. And then, um, Actually, when she passed, she ended up coming to visit me in a dream and had an amazing dream conversation with her. And she was talking about everything is energy and everything is any everything is everything. You know, interconnected things were. Um, but in my twenties is when things really started to open up. But I was still, I wasn't out, if you will, <laughs> not fully out. 
then I went through heartbreak of divorce and um, I said at, at that point I was working in graphics. I had a successful graphics business, but I had said to God through the heartache of divorce, my gifts were just blowing up even more. And I basically said to God, I'm giving this to you. And if you want me there, here, you drive. And mm. that's when it started to just um, kind of go berserk, if you will. And um, eventually, with me getting out of the way, things just really kind of took off. I ended up writing um, a spiritual advice column that started out regional and then went global. Um, wow. I, I was approached to write a, a book, a complete guide to dividing the future. Congratulations um, on that. I saw that on the Amazon. You. Thank you. And I, um, I had tools, and I had CDs coming out. One won a national award. I mean, and it just it just went on and on. It just sort of it just grew into its own groove. And it was me getting out of the way and letting God drive. Really, um, that's my uh, the shortest version, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, it's kind of long, but it it's the encapsulated version of getting out of the way. And something I knew as a kid, though, is of knowing that. The things that were going on around me that I was seeing and living through weren't the whole story, wasn't the whole truth, and trying to figure out and put into order, like, you know, everyone, it was very confusing. I thought everyone else was seeing what I was seeing, knowing what I knew, and if that were the case, how come they were behaving that way? (laughs) It didn't make any sense. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But... Then with age comes a little bit of hopefully wisdom and understanding and you realize, okay, they were just doing the best that they could, the best that they knew how to with, you know, we all have limitations and, um, you know, themes and, and pieces that we're working on. And uh, now I understand that differently because I work in the Akashic Records every day. So it is what it is. Do you want to explain <laughs> what the Akashic Re- Records Sure, sure, Um, definitely. The Akashic Records are the history of us, the history of all, the history of you, the history of me. Every soul has a record, and um, they keep, this is where the soul's, uh, I'll say, plan or blueprint is. So, in other words, before we come into this life experience, we choose things like the physical things that we're going to carry with us, um, but also the soul's work, the history, the themes, major, minor, sub, um, the things that we've experienced previously, the entire history of our past life collection, and then the theme intertwines that we've worked with with those, the themes that we have, um, you know, maybe passed through and worked on and resolved, the things that we might not have resolved, those are the reasons why soul would choose to come in again. Um, you know, perhaps it's like uh, knowing that there's, for instance, you know, some, a soul might say, hey, I'm going in. And they might say to a friend on the other side, oh, you're going in again? I'll go in again. <laughs> wow. Um, oh, you're going to work on, oh, I'm going in again and I'm going to work on this. Um, do you want to come in? Do you want to meet up? And things are somewhat prearranged and boxes get checked off and those things are kept as it. So the Akashic Records are really the history of what's going on behind and that it's a tapestry really of, uh, for each soul 
And when I do reading work, this is what we sometimes will look at when people say, well, you know, why is this energy going on, you know, with my, with my brother? Why is he driving me nuts? Well, why have I married essentially the same person, this energy, you know, twice? Right. You know, the name has changed, but this, what is this? And, you know, sometimes going in to look at things from those perspectives is very helpful and supportive for the soul to be able to move forward in the progression and to go further into ascension, which is another reason why we're here is to work towards ascension. I I heard it said once that our lifetime is but a thread in the fabric of our soul. Have you heard that expression before? It just... Yeah, yes. And, so and much I, a I think it's beautiful. I love that you actually drew on that because it's true. And, you know, the ego would have us so tangled up to think otherwise because that's the ego's job. But the ego is such a, such a trickster and such a huckster. I've always told clients that, you know, it has amnesia. It wants us to think everything is so linear. Let me get through this one thing and I'll never have to deal with that again. You're right. <laughs> the ego is brutal. Yes. And, and I, I often tell people, like, yeah, okay, you write out what you think of yourself. Okay, great. And most of it's negative, right? And then you say, okay, now ask the closest people to you what they think about you. And they all say the same thing. Oh, you're generous. You're loving. You're funny. You're kind. And then I say, okay, who are you really? You're what they say you are. You know, your ego mm-hmm. won't let you see who you really are. Most of the time, mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah, and also because people work hard. Um, you know, I've talked about this with friends of mine. You know, even people in metaphysics, you know, are working their own paths and their own growth and their own experiences. It's not a get-out-of-life lesson free card by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we're still going through stuff. And, in fact, I would absolutely say that all the things that have happened to me get you know, I just kind of soak them in like a sponge and it's part of my own soul's plan that they then get used to help others. And so I then have an ability to draw on compassion and draw on understanding and, and things because I've experienced certain things in a way that it, it may be crazy, but I could say, oh, I've gone through that. Or I, I could have a, 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 a lot of more compassion because I understand how that works. And understand what that's like, as you know, because you've gone through grief and and things that have knocked things into the wiggle place and the wobble place, and you know what that's like to what it really does to the soul, and what it rearranges, and then what it creates for people, yeah. or what it unravels. So, um, what when things go when the ego says, what you know, why is didn't I do enough work and didn't I already, but, 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 apparently not. And really, I always say, you know, life is not linear, but the ego always wants to drag it that way. But really, the committee is always talking about this. Life is much more like a spiral and things will always continue to come up. But to remember that we are in a different place on the spiral and therefore the perspective has shifted and that will ease off that feeling of pressure that feeling of stress that rises up for us and um, make the situation and the chance for resolution or for realization 
for epiphany to move through even faster. Hmm, kind of deep. Huh. Can you, you brought up the committee. Um, first, I want to ask you, just because the name of the show is We Don't Die. If I were to ask you why you believe in life after death, what would you say? Um, because I've seen numerous, numerous examples of it um, since I was a kid and moving all the way forward. Um, just the whole, I'm going to say, tapestry of things. Uh, the evidence for me is there's there's absolutely no margin to not believe that, that we don't die. <laughs> the wagon just all tips it to one side. Right. Although I respect that some people aren't yet in a place of being um, ready to make that leap. I do respect that they're there, but there's so much other preponderance of evidence for me the other way. Um, and it started so young, like for instance, riding to the cemetery and seeing, you know, just being comfortable around that and knowing that I would see earthbound who hadn't crossed yet, knowing that some of them, you know, might ask me for directions. And I would say, okay, that's not here. <laughs> you need to go over there and then, the, and then you'll be okay. Um, you know, and, and as a young kid, not being like freaked out by that and just knowing that they needed to make it, you know, those souls needed to make it like being, um, if you ever watch basketball, I mean, there's sometimes when the ball hits the rim, it's rolling and rolling around before it falls through mm-hmm. the net. And those souls just really needed to sort of tip in <laughs> and they would actually then, um, go to where they needed to go. Can you explain that to but what earthbound spirits are? Because I've heard it mentioned before. We don't talk about it much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, so some souls will cross very neatly and go to the other side. Mm-hmm. And then that would be known as a spirit on the other side and the soul on the other side. And the earthbound is a soul who hasn't quite made it all the way through and got kind of locked into, um, what we can say, an interim place or an interim field here on the earth plane, sometimes known as ghosts. Um, but sometimes that has a connotation, I would say, where people think, you know, Hoo-hoo, and spooky. they get all kind of weird. Right. Yeah. And, um, but there's many different levels of that, and there are people who chase them. And I, I don't. Um, it, I made a choice, actually, in my 20s. I had a, a really... Um, unsettling encounter. I'd gone into um, visit a friend who was at Northeastern, and um, they were staying in, in a house. And they neglected to tell me they knew that there were weird things going on in the house, but they were quite the, um, you know, I want to say non-believer. Right. And um, I was assaulted by a ghost, and that was absolutely a ghost. Um, not there are some earthbound spirits who are not harmful, who have simply not crossed over to the other side, who are in a state of confusion, who might be, you know, lost looking for direction in a place of repetition, a kind of limbo. Hmm. Um, and that's different than, for instance, a haunting could be where they're, they want you to get out of their house or they need you to leave. That was the case where I had an interaction that was very dis- um, disconcerting. That was when I had said to God, I do not want to work in that area. And I don't, don't let that happen again. But I was shoved, pushed. I was told to get out of the house by the spirit. Um, there was a scent interaction as well. And I said, this is not for me. <laughs> this is just not for me. 
And in fact, I was supposed to stay the entire weekend. I made it one night. It was a three night weekend. And oh my gosh. Weekend. Do we yeah, have, do we have reason to be me. afraid in life or is there a way that we can just pray and for our, um, being in a sacred space and, yeah. or is this something well, we need you, to worry about? You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, if well, if someone you know, like if someone thinks that they had something like that going on, or if they thought that there was reason to be worried about something like that, um, you mean it like that, Sandra? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, two things I would probably suggest. One is, like, if you thought you felt energy, first of all, a lot of loved ones from the other side love to visit in the thick of the night. A lot of times people wake up between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m. anyways yes. because there's, there's a whole reason for that, uh, which I don't know if you're already aware of this or if your listeners are, but nope. the, Earth, the Earth's atmosphere is very dense at that time. There's a lot more moisture. Moisture, water conducts electricity. Spirit is pure energy. So it's an easier time for contact. You're also more relaxed. And in that sleep state, a lot of times people will just wake up and the clients will often say, oh, why do I always wake up and, you know, it's always a certain time or the numbers are aligning on the clock or I feel like something's in the house, you know, and is that my uncle or is that my dad or who is that? Mm -hmm. And I often will say, don't be afraid. And that's a good time sometimes for loved ones to make contact because of this phenomenon of how the weather works and how the density on the earth plane works. Um, but that's different than the scary stuff um, where I would say, if you feel unsettled, just simply say, renew the right spirit within me. Simple. Re- renew? And just, Is that what you said? Re- yeah. Re- renew, renew the right spirit within me. It's sort of like a little blessing prayer and just putting out like, as if you threw a stone in the pond and ripple rings are coming out from it and you're kind of resetting the energy. Hmm. And you could you could also use um, people use other invocations and things, but I found that one to be very effective, um, and it's a nice way to kind of saying um, pushing back the the snowdrifts, if you will. <laughs> but loved ones do come in, and it has a different feeling. If you ever have an uncomfortable feeling, leave the space. If it's your space and you can't necessarily leave, call a professional, and not a ghost chaser. Call someone to clear your space energetically. There are people who do it. I do some of that, but there are people who do that exclusively. Mm-hmm. And someone like me, a lot of times I'll, I'll straight up tell people, okay, I can help with this, all of it, some of it, or no, you need to go over here for that and do, do this. Because, um, you know, there are, it's kind of like if you were going to get your house painted, you know, or remodel your kitchen there are certain things that people need to be aware of there are different aspects that can happen wow so it sounds like the world of the unseen is just as amazing as the world of the scene it is is because you know when souls cross i mean they have um, so much choice after they're comforted their life review is going on i mean they have there's a whole state of existence that they can experience, I mean, their choice to continue to work. Of course, we think work in our limited ego mind thinks, you know, work, mortgage, taxes. Paycheck, you know, yep. uh-huh. You know, not for that, but for the love of learning, for the joy of participation, for a 
assisting. And because souls are still working on ascension on the other side, it's just done at a different intensity because um, coming into here with a corporeal body and to earth, we can accomplish things in a much, uh, let me re-say this, there's a lot more that we are guaranteed to, the learning curve is very steep on earth. That's why the earth is getting more and more crowded because people come here, souls come in knowing they'll be guaranteed you're going to have a body. You're going to have your own free will. You will also have to deal with man's free will, you know, and all these things coming together with your soul plan, other people's soul plans. So there's a lot of interactivity going on and it's guaranteed like a perfect recipe, it seems like a good pun to use, but a good perfect recipe to um, push the soul forward faster. And so that's why people would choose to, you know, come to reincarnate again. Wow. So still working on ascending on the other side, mm-hmm. but at a slower uh, simmer. If you you get more bang for your buck coming to planet Earth. Add a girl, add a girl. How's yeah. that? Well, we can, most likely, most often, we just take it for granted, and you know, we like I, in one month from today, I turn fifty. I'm like fifty. Like how? Like I'm baffled by that. But it's like, and yes, I have stuff to show for it. But if I really got at an early age that this is the place, like the juiciest place in all the universe to learn, and like <laughs> really got that, you know, I'd I'd look for more times to be courageous or new things to explore new friends to have new adventures to go on right so i think it's great to have these conversations because there's no time like the present to start (laughs) well happy birthday aries and from one aries to another because my birthday is next month too oh happy uh, birthday back at (laughs) you um but also the uh i think there's sort of a an emergent quality, like you're doing the best that you can. Just keep, I think for all of us, we're all doing the best we can. And as we know better, we do better. Yeah, that's true. um, I think that there's a certain, I guess I keep coming back to the word wisdom that comes on us as time comes on us. Um, the, The committee has said the expiration codes are actually necessary because without that, the ego would never really wish to acquire the, they say, the higher parts of wisdom. The ego would just delay. What do you and mean the expiration codes? The, that the body was designed to expire. Oh, okay. That's what every, I every one of us has, it's so ironic because every one of us has this in common. Every one of us is born to die. Right. But the ego never really wants to talk about it and engage with it um, and wants to kind of play Scarlet O'Hara. I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's why it's so helpful to have a conversation about not dying because the um, the continuum is important to remember and to also know that as much as we can get done here and to take a moment to be kind, to take a moment to be helpful, to um, take a chance, you know, and... and mm-hmm maybe have a bucket list or think about a, a something that you might don't call it that if you don't like it that, but as that, but to just do those things, they do matter because those moments will be things that you reflect back in your own review. Um, and you'll decide you will be the one to decide how you want to 
how long you want to stay on the other side or if you choose to continue on and come back in again. Pretty incredible. You will be there. You, yeah. Yeah. Let's get into, and, oh, go ahead. You finish and then I, I'll go. I was going to say other, other things about knowing that we didn't die. Um, I, had an ex- I had an experience with my grandfather that um, also moved me. When I was in my, also in my 20s, a lot of things happened during that decade for me. Um, he had passed, and this was my, um, kind of like my spiritual father in a way. Um, and he was pretty much a John Wayne kind of a guy, mm-hmm. very gruff, and um, didn't show his emotions much, but lived next door to me my whole life. And after he passed, my family was um, making choices that were really bizarre. And they never buried him, and they never had any service for him. Wow. And it was very odd. Yes, <laughs> very, very bizarre. And um, I remember I was very distraught about a lot of the, a lot of that. We were not allowed to like sort of talk about him and not, you know, it was just very odd. You know, this person who had lived next door to us our whole lives was gone and there was no service. There was no nothing. And <laughs> it was very strange. And um, he came to me and I had an amazing dream encounter with him and I had seen him in a hallway um, and I ran to him in the dream. And of course, he wasn't a solid figure. So what happened was I stepped into his energy field as if he was a silhouette and everywhere that he was and my where I overlapped him, um, I felt the pure, most pure Oh, it just makes me like weep, and this was almost three decades ago. Mm. Um, of his love, purest love, and just exquisiteness. I knew he was safe. I knew he was home. I knew he was okay. I knew how much he loved me, and I knew that it was never going to fade away. Mm. And I knew that although he couldn't say goodbye, that it was there. That's sweet. And it was un- unflappable. And I know that even though we weren't allowed to say goodbye, that he knew that everything was okay. Um, and it never leaves you when you have that kind of a soul dream. I know you've had them of your father. Um, other people have had them of their loved ones. It's so different than just the run-of-the-mill right. you know, dream. But having those encounters, they just never leave you. And it was just another piece of continuum. I've had so many you know, um, others that come through like that, but the signs that come through in readings of of life continuum and the things that come through of evidential pieces that pop in while we're doing other bits and bobs of soul work. And sometimes people will be doing all the deeper stuff, you know, with the committee and with past life work and, um, you know, moving forward for future things that people are navigating the, the denseness of life and they'll throw it in at the last minute and they'll say, okay, I know we've been really busy and we've got all this stuff done that, you know, does, does my beloved so-and-so have anything that they might want to add? And it, it might just fall in right at the last bit. Like they might say, you know, yes, you know, and if you move the, the, the dresser, that ring is, is there that you've been looking for. And it just might fall in loose. They're like, oh, for crying out loud. I've been going nuts looking for that thing. And I wasn't even going to ask you about that. And I was debating about it for two days. And I didn't even have it on my list of things to ask because. <laughs> and then I might get it. And I, 
I've seen this happen. I get a note into the office. We found it. Thanks. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. You know, or that evidence other, is, is the best. Yeah. Part. Or, or a spirit making a comment to someone else who was terribly distraught about um, their loved one dying very tragically, you know, you know, from a lightning strike and never getting a chance to say goodbye. And then their partner saying to them, yes, cut your hair. And then, the, and I'm saying, you know, relaying the information and they're saying to me, you know, yes. Oh my God. I was standing this morning in the mirror saying, I'm going to cut it all off. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to cut it all off. And then, it, you know, I have no way of knowing this. So there it is. Yes. Cut your hair. Oh yeah. The ego wants to always convince us that whoever the psychic medium is, that they spend all this time looking on the oh, internet I know that. and all that stuff. It's crazy. I, I, I don't ha- have enough. I, I have no time for that. I, I really want to say I'm so anti, like my friends know this about me. Like I, I don't, I, I don't really know have time for that. I'm so of busy. Of course just not. Being You're the real me. deal. Yeah. <laughs> You're the you know, real deal. A lot of people are free on the, on the internet and, living their life like on their personal Facebook accounts and stuff. I really am not, um, you're not one of those people. No. And and it's, the thing is, it's a, it's a full-time job to just live your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we're doing it well, all of us, (laughs) so those people can think of others. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who probably do that, but, I don't. So. No, no, I it think is, those are the scammers. Is. And I think anybody listening to the show long enough and hearing some of these stories, it's just, it, it is real. Life after death is real. And But knowing that we do have the ego that's going to want to convince us that, okay, this isn't true or that's not true. And, you know, when we look around us, we are living in a miracle right now. I mean, we really are. Everything's made of energy. We have cell phones that invisibly connect to this invisible world (laughs) that we can contact all information that ever is. I mean, like that stuff's miraculous, you know, but in something else I was thinking not too long ago, Laura, is when you look at everything we have now and you think back thousands of years, everything came from planet earth like the rocks the water the trees <laughs> you know and now we have electricity and clothing and like everything came from just this raw material like that stuff's miraculous but our and ego that, wants to say no 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 it's not <laughs> well and this is why i actually named my website we we're all made of ancient stardust and the website is ancient stardust because when i first heard about this concept it blew my mind mm-hmm. we are made of stars all yes. of us. Yes. And, you know, that just is a trippy thing. I mean, <laughs> in a sane and sober moment, yes, you're right. I mean, all this technology. And I actually think that the technology is an interesting parallel right now to spirituality and all this metaphysical stuff that for all of this amazing connection, it's a time where spirituality is meant to be shooting up um, if we were graphing this, we know the technology graph is shooting up like a rocket mm-hmm. and not even beginning to bow over right. or arc down. But the spirituality side has also been, since, you know, about the mid-80s, it started to really turn on. And even if we took the last hundred years, the spirituality map really has started to come up. But in the mid-80s, it really, and some could even say the mid-60s, it started on. But it's begun to take on because I know in the mid eighties, the, the awareness with angels and embracing, um, 
people started, you know, doing conventions and attending in ways and looking at things and organizing in ways. Um, so right now, and since we tipped into the 2000s, I mean, the tipping point's been really strong, the momentum's building, and the, the veil between the worlds has really never been thinner. So more and more people are feeling their intuitive centers opening up, their own stirring inside, um, shifting to ask questions, wondering, what's it all about, Alfie? You know? Yeah. And, and it really makes sense because for all of this miraculous technology and the ability to connect, it's sort of technology without spirituality, um, it could lead to things that are not, uh, that are empty. But technology with spirituality is streams and streams of miracles. It's the ability to connect souls from the other side of the world. I'm, I marvel at this all the time. When I get calls from the opposite side of the world and that we're all really the same. At the end of the day, we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel loved. Right. We all want our loved ones to feel safe and loved. And it's primal. And even though we're still as unique as our own fingerprints, and all DNA, our own DNA, I mean, we're all made of ancient stardust. We are all looking to feel that connection, to know that, you know, we don't die, that the continuum exists, to understand our place in it. It's fascinating to me. It really is. It's never, it's never dull. Never. It's, and it's so much more fun to think about that than looking in the mirror and saying, oh, I'm not good enough. And oh, how come this doesn't happen? Being a victim. Like, yeah, find something you're passionate about and and learn more and be interested. So you've mentioned the committee a few times. I, I want to know from you, who is the committee? Because mm-hmm. what, what reading with you is not just your typical go to a no. medium and hear from dead no. folks. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I know it can be a whole bunch of different things, but if you want to just share a little bit about how you work and who is the committee? The the committee is a group of ascended masters um, from the other side. They're from beyond the Pleiades. And what they are is a group, a collective, who come together to assist us with, I'll say higher learning, higher knowledge. And when I first met them, I was feeling very energetically pestered. And um, I, I I can't really, what does energetically pestered mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, as if like you had on clothes that were too tight, as if you were being followed by something that some, a group that was standing too close to you, I mean, pestered, okay. pestered, pestered. Yep, yep, yep. Just conversations are happening and you couldn't turn them down. Pestered, pestered. And so I had said to a friend who was working in the field and that this was going on, she said, well, you know, let's, you know, do a meditation and let's see what's going on. And, um, you know, I come out of it, you know, an hour and a half, two hours later and, you know, her face, her jaw is hanging open and she says, you know, you're, you just, we're a deep trans medium right there and holy smokes and there were pages and pages filled. What I remember from that occurrence was this beautiful image that the committee had shown was um, that our problems, we see our problems as if we're standing up against a wall and we're looking at this wall, facing this wall and the wall goes straight up into the sky. Yeah. And this is how we humans see our problems. And then they said, 
but really, it's like this. And then they had me turn, and the problem, this wall went down as if it was a little curb, and they're like, we want to help you see it as if they're like this, and we'll change the perspective and help you understand on that spiral continuum how they're like this, and then you just step over them. And that's what they help me do every day in session is to show people how to reframe something and look at it from a different, same movie, different row, different seat, I always say to them. And so that if we shift the perspective, that they can step over the problem, we can show them a solution and access um, a way to solve something or resolve something. And maybe they can have their epiphany, maybe they can have their aha, and things will ease up and they can move and navigate through something with a little bit less stress and a little bit less resistance and grief. Um, so they, they work with me regularly. We've been connected um, ever since then. Uh, I can go deep into chant, trance and let them speak. Or a, a lot of times what happens is they're with me, pressing on me, um, impressing me. A lot of times I have no memory of sessions as they end. It's really? like the, run, the running office joke where, you know, the, the phone line goes click, it's done. And then my assistant says to me uh, five minutes later, oh, someone so has a question about this. And I say, who? And they say, the person you just spoke to? And I say, I have no memory of that. <laughs> Isn't that <laughs> interesting? This is a running joke. But you know, I feel like if I had to remember everything, I would probably need several wagons to carry the pieces in my brain. Um, so is it like Laura steps out of the way and the committee steps in? and, and- um, We're both here. Um, but it's kind of like a dream um, in some ways. It sounds kind of normal unless I, I sometimes I'll push in um, and then I don't sound as much like me um, if I'm in a deeper trance. If, I, if you were watching me, I don't look like me if they were in a deeper trance. My face has got all these electrical pops going on if I'm in a deeper channel state. Mm. Um, but if I'm in a, just a normal sound, like this voice, but... Uh, probably I'm talking faster. Um, they'll be pushing things through. A lot of times they'll be referring to me as a vessel um, because that's a channel as a conduit. And um, when we're working, we, we cover things from... My job is to... They, they refer to me as a channel for healing and healing being defined as things that help someone to have release whether it's release of emotion, release of things that are causing roadblocks, information can be a release, um, things that help their health to maybe unblock and have a release, um, things that help improve their choice selection. So whatever comes in to promote you know, healing is what pours through the channel. So I'm here, sometimes more, a little bit more off to the side than not, but I never just vacate the building. I'm always here. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I, I've done some reading and studying on trance mediumship, but I've never talked to anybody that actually has done it or has lived through it. And um, we could in our show in future episodes, but it's just, it's great to hear you talk about that. It really mm-hmm. is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And not to be feared, right? You're no. completely no. safe and supported and... Yeah, it's safe and supported. There's a couple things I would say if anyone's thinking about it or dappling in it. Um, A couple of keys, I think, that are critical to know. One, um, always be grounded. 
And this helps with meditation anyways, but it's critical to be grounded because if you're not grounded, and what this means is I want to make it an important analogy. So right now, if you were to go out and buy a toaster or a blender or a lamp, anything that you buy with an electrical plug has a grounded plug that goes into a socket on the wall. And the reason for that is the electrical grids are stressed. And so the power companies, the um, companies that produce these products, the toasters, the lamps, the blenders, they know that in order to protect the product, they must ground the plug. Well, if it's important to protect a toaster and a blender and a lamp, then it's certainly, you can see how electric energy and how it's moving is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing, I want to use this analogy, is important to understand when you're tapping up into the field, you being grounded is equally as important because if you're not, Number one, you can't get the right connection. And number two, you don't know what it's doing to your physical body, and you also don't know that you can trust the sources that you're tapping into. Because there's many different types of energy. It, it's not like all just, you know, rainbows, unicorns, and fluffy bunnies. <laughs> there's <laughs> different levels of, of entities and energies and... So, no, it's not that you should be frightened of feeling opened up, but the more grounded that you are, whether you're protecting yourself with light, whether you're running, um, you know, golden roots from your feet. And, by the way, my grounding and centering CD won the national um, award for a reason. So, um, you know, get yourself grounded however you can do it, but there's a reason why, and it's so that you improve the quality of what you get and that you also are safer because you're not a toaster. You're not replaceable. And once you get slimed, then you have to go through all kinds of rigmarole to, you know, see an expert to get yourself unslimed with energy. It can be very depleting energetically. It can make you feel very cloudy mentally. It can make you feel very foggy, frustrated. And and in some cases, I've even seen it where people... Um, end up feeling completely unlike themselves and acting out of character, et cetera. So um, those are the worst-case scenarios, but certainly important enough to mention. And um, when people are beginning to open up, it's very exciting. It's a wonderful thing. And not everyone has it, like, from birth or, you know, people. sometimes people are um, brought to it. I wrote about this when I wrote The Complete Idiot's Guidebook that, um, falling in love, falling out of love, heartbreak, loss, death, things like this can also break people open where their intuition centers can really start to fire off. So I'm not surprised that, you know, it can lead to something life-changing so, you know, so dramatic that, for instance, that you end up writing a book. Yeah, my or, deepest pain. Or two. Yeah. yeah, turned mm-hmm. into that. So you just yeah. you just never know. Um, you know, a couple things. Um, you had said earlier, and this kind of ties into what we're talking now, when we're saying, you know, our deepest pain can really crack us open. You had said something brilliant earlier, as we know better, we do better. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I just thought, you know, there's so many people who are living with guilt and I should have done this, I shouldn't have done this. And when you said, as we know better, we do better, I, I 
kind of feel like we need to take that burden off. Like if we had known something else to do, we would have done it another way. So get over it. <laughs> Let go. And, and, and guilt, guilt could be one of these roadblocks that you mentioned, right? It absolutely can. I mean, it really, really can. And um, you had asked me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this and also kind of wrap this into something else that you okay, asked me. Sure. Um, when, when I'm working, very often, um, I, I ask, we always ask people to come with questions, and that's a little bit different than how other people typically work, because for me, it's a little bit like um, sitting, if you ever have seen, like in a TV um, producer's control room, and there's all kinds of screens, the best analogy that I could make, mm-hmm. but for me, being a channel like this is like sitting in front of a, con- a control room with lots of screens firing. And what I might think is interesting may be of no interest to my client, or they might not be ready to look at that screen. And I might think it's really interesting, but they may not. And there's no point in really spending time on that if they're not interested. So the way it, that it's worked out really well is if clients ask questions and then we answer questions that way. And I say we because it is the committee and I. And so, therefore, for instance, if, if a client said, you know, how can I feel better and work on my self-confidence or my self-esteem? This is a question that actually we've answered a lot of this and talked about it at length because, believe it or not, it's, it's a little bit similar but a little bit specific to each client. There's something different. And sometimes it relates back into past life pieces that we're pulling and we might pull up specifics to, you know, this goes back to this time when you were here and this happened and this was tricked off when in this life this happened. And now here's the obstacle of how to overcome this. And here's also a suggestion, either an affirmation cure or a remedy cure um, we work a lot with the box flower essences and other natural things um, in supplements. Sometimes as well, we'll suggest that people ask us to look. We will. Um, it depends. It runs again because, yes, everyone, myself included, you know, we all have days where we feel stronger, we feel more um, better than we feel better than others, and we mm-hmm. feel weaker than others, but. Um, it does, that mantra always is is definitely effective, but when we're working, sometimes there's other pieces that will come into play um, that might help you that may not help other people, and so we'll look at things sort of on a case by case basis. And yeah, when we know better, we do better. And and I know that based on everything that you knew at a particular time and everything that you were going through at that time you made the best decisions and choices that you possibly could have. And that you know too. You need to think about that and know that too because the only purpose of guilt, the only purpose is to keep you from owning your power. So if we can remove that and just turn the volume down a little bit on it, you will feel better, you'll feel calmer, and you will feel more powerful. Thank you for sharing that. It really resonated with me, and I'm sure it did with others as well. That really Good. is. Thank you for that. I'm glad. So, I'm glad. can you, we talk a little bit about the importance of meditation and what your new program is that you have? Because every day I wake up thinking, oh, i got to meditate. I should meditate. <laughs> but you know I'm not. It's like every fourth day, maybe. 
<laughs> can you talk a little bit about meditation and importance? Yeah, um, definitely. So it's definitely, meditation has, first of all, I say good job getting it in every four days, and I'm giving you credit for that. Thank Not you. The very first, first, the very first thing is give yourself credit for what you are doing and count that in. And we're going to put that in the plus column because don't focus, don't focus on the days that you're not doing it. Let's focus on the days that you are. And I talk about that in this um, package that I've got because it's really important to kind of flip this around. And you probably are getting in a lot of other pieces of this and just not even recognizing how and how to add it in in other ways. It's important because the mind, the body, and the spirit um, each have components that can recharge and can be put back into center through it. Now, the misconceptions are is that it has to be done certain ways or in certain styles or in certain times. Not true. And I bust those open and kind of debunk that in the package. But when you're more aligned, then you're in a place to be your best, to be more open, to be more calm, and to be feeling more peace and more intuitive and also able to see um, or witness stress, but to not participate in it. And that's also a really cool thing because it's an ability to kind of be in the observer's mode, <laughs> but not necessarily have to be in the participant's mode. I like that. If that's possible. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and absolutely, anybody who's frustrated at meditating can get better at it. I've never um, not seen that to be true. So it it can definitely, anybody can get better. Anybody can. Mm. And you title it Meditation, Magic, and Miracles. How come? What kind of magic and miracles can come from meditation? Because in the space where people are beginning to feel that alignment and feel that shifting, um, I was just mentioning previously how people can become more intuitive and that sense of calm and that sense of peace. When those intuitive, uh, the intuitive meridians begin to open, all kinds of good stuff happens there. Man, that's the juicy stuff. That's where the, ooh, look at that's like Epiphany Central. And that's where you get your higher guidance. That's where you get to feel all of that downloadable from the higher source, from God, from the universe, from your guides, from your guardian angels, from your loved ones. Um, all kinds of stuff can come in. And it's just a matter of, like the committee would say, getting out of your own way. And then the, it's like the deluge comes. And it doesn't have to be as complicated as we're going to take all the furniture out of the house, put it on the front lawn, and then leave room for whatever wants to come into the house to come in. Right. It's not that complicated at all. It could be as simple as we're just going to move one little thing out of the way on the top of the dresser. And then something has room to something else has room to come and sit there. Yeah. So I think it, we've all it, had those thoughts that have come out of nowhere or those great mm-hmm. ideas. And I, I you know, mm. so many of them happen to me while I'm taking a shower. Yeah. And it'd be like, where did that I, thought come from? Well, let me point something else out because remember we were talking about earlier in the conversation about how in the hours of two and four AM the Earth's atmosphere is the most heavy and dense with moisture. And that's Therefore, spirit energy can connect. Now, here's an obvious statement. <laughs> what happens when you're in the bathroom and the shower water's running? You're in a place of relaxation. You've got moisture and condensation, and you're relaxed. Kaboom! 
there comes more targeted time of energy because the conditions are right. Amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I was floating in a pool once not too long ago and I just cleared my mind and all of a sudden I got all these images of all many people that I've loved and lost and they were like uh-huh. right there as clear as clear could be. And then once I started and I kind of got shocked, then it, it stopped because then I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? Da, 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 da. <laughs> but I was floating in water. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Water conducts electricity, you know, and, and so there are natural times and we're relaxed and relaxing when, you know, that conduit energy is there. Hmm. And yes, yeah, so it's steam and water and things like that. Also, when we're cooking in the kitchen is another natural time um, where people will say, you know, I always think of my grandma when I'm in there and, you know, I'm looking over the lids and I'm thinking she's saying, you know, don't add too much salt in the soup. And I'm always thinking of her. Well, of course. And she's probably right there kind of thinking of you too when you're, you know, you're rolling out the bread or you're baking. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really sweet. So, Laura, time goes by really quick. Um, either what haven't I asked you that I really do need to ask, or if you have any thoughts that we just need to hear right now, just what's, what's there, what, or, or what's the committee saying? What do we, what, where do we go from here in our last five minutes or so? Because I, I think you're a, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul, and I'm so honored oh. that we got to talk today. Oh, gosh, thank you so much, Golly. I, I really love this program that you've created for people. It's such a great resource. Thanks. And um, there's so many great nuggets for people in, in the shows. Um, I have a great tip for listeners on how to improve their intuition. I mean, obviously, you know, I love meditation as a tool, and that's why I've created those other pieces. But I want to talk about another way to improve intuition, and that's um, through using journaling. And I want to change the way people are thinking about this completely. And I want to call it a workbook. Okay. And, and I want to say... You can go out, you can use your existing journal, you can go out and purchase a journal. Um, I have a journal too, the Ancient Stardust Journal, but you can just go out and get a notebook at Walmart, at CVS, wherever. Right. Get a, just a, get a spiral bound notebook um, and use it exactly the same way I'm about to describe. But this will really help because when you use a journal like a notebook, um, I want you to Fold the page so that you don't write across the whole page. Leave about a quarter to a third of the page that you're going to fold, and don't write in that section. Just make a habit that you're going to leave that as your area that you can come back to and react in that space later. Because what you're going to do is when you're writing down dreams, when you're writing down thoughts, when you're writing down things that came to you in the shower, when you're writing down synchronicities, mm-hmm. which is the proper proper word for what we uh, mistakenly call coincidences. There are no coincidences. Start writing stuff down and leaving that room for the area that you're not um, writing in initially, that's your reaction place because your journal, your workbook, is really your truth log. If I hadn't written things down um, years ago, it's really like my word sort of against, oh, I knew that. Oh, I thought that. Oh, I, I had a feeling something would happen. But when you see it in your own journal, your own workbook, and you're coming back to it and you interact with it, circle things, notice, are you starting to dream and have a timeline like that you're getting precognition and that you're, you're getting about a week before something happens? Write it in that you know area 
you know, bigger than the margin. You need like a good third of the page. Circle things. I mean, I once had a time where I was followed by the letters CLR. CLR. I was helping an elderly friend. And um, CLR, CLR. It's driving me nuts. And I finally said to her, what does the letter CLR mean to you? And she laughed. She said, oh, dear. We're cleaning from Denise Claire. She's coming to visit from out of town. <laughs> you know, but if I if I hadn't, you know, documented that kind of stuff, this is what adds the proof for your ego to get out of the way and to witness it and to see and watch your unfoldment. And that's what helps you to get confidence and to know that you aren't inventing this. You aren't imagining it. It's really happening. Your intuition is like a muscle. And the more you work it and the more you experience it, the, the stronger it gets. Can you just so review that one more time? Just because I'm looking at my page. So on the two-thirds of the page, what am I writing so, there? So write down things that happen, thoughts that come to you. Um, if you have a dream and you're not, just write down your dream. That's on the bigger um, part of the page. Yeah, on the big part of the page. If you're, you know, just some, you know, if you're getting, when you're in the car, write down what's the first song that's queued up for you when you're, you know, turn on the vehicle. What's the title of the song? What's the line of the song that gave you goosebumps? Write it down. Hmm. If letters are following you, write them down. You know, things that you're starting to kind of go, oh, I have a, I have a tickly feeling about that. Just write it down. Don't analyze it because you, you won't be able to at that point. But just when you're thinking about the day, instead of writing down, got up at seven, had, you know, XYZ for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, those things don't really have a bearing on your intuition. But if you say that red bird was staring at me, <gasps> and I had a funny feeling. I had a red bird this morning. Did you just happen? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Never an accident when you're talking to a channel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so many of the things you've mentioned on this show, I'm like, she's talking just to me, and other people are going to get it too. But she she knows. She knows. Oh, my gosh. She knows. So, okay. So, we're writing those things. And then on, on the third, then, on then, the smaller part? Then come back. Yeah. Then, then what I want you to do is come back. As those things begin to make sense to you, come back and interact in the white space, whether it's a week later, a few days later, come back and interact in the white space next to it, and then you write your interpretation. Like, for instance, when I wrote in my journal, I'm being pursued by the letters CLR. What are these? I had like three days of those entries. CLR, CLR, CLR in the grocery store. CLR when I'm home. CLR when I'm watching TV. CLR. Finally asked, and then I wrote on the side margin, finally asked my elderly friend, her niece Claire is coming to visit. And then actually when I met her niece too, we we felt we had known each other from a past lifetime of some sort. Oh, that's interesting. awesome. So, so you won't know what goes into the third or the fourth. You may not know it for a month. You may not know it for even longer. Sometimes the universe will sift and sort it and pull it together, but you want to leave room so that you can. A workbook is an interactive space. In other words, your journal is not supposed to look neat and pretty. You might have sticky notes. You may want to come back and circle and Mm -hmm. have a roadmap with arrows and interact with it is what I'm trying to say, but write down the things that are happening that feel like something in the the main two-thirds. And then in the smaller area that you fold it down, that's where you can come back and go, oh, that goes with this. I have this now four times on the red bird, and I'm starting to feel like it goes with um, my Uncle Tom. He always, my 
you know, Uncle Tom had a thing with Redbirds, and I just got the 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 card. I found it. It came in the mail, and it was from Aunt Sue, and she said that um, she she thought I would want this, and it, she sent it to me, and it had a red bird on the cover. And when I asked her about it, he loved red birds, and mm-hmm. then boom, it all came together. Gotcha. And then you're like, oh my God, there it is, and I somehow it all pulls around. So use that space to interact and interpret. And you don't know when you're getting your vibes always what they mean. And there's no way you would as you're beginning the journey. You just can't. It's it's a bombardment. It's like you're an antenna tower picking up all kinds of frequencies and snippets of words and radio stations and somebody else is spinning the knob. (laughs) Interesting. Laura, that's awesome. And of course, the more we meditate and quiet our minds, the more stuff's coming. Yes. The more you get to control the knob a little and get bigger snippets and pieces. Absolutely. Fun stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to visiting your website, ancientstardust.com, and and seeing what you got there, because this is awesome. (laughs) You're you're really, I've I've heard it from others and even reading it on... um, many websites about you and a lot of testimonials about how just warm and loving and caring you are and uh it's just great to be talking to you person to person voice to voice and like yes she is she really is oh thank you you're you're a delight and i really again i love the program and um i think that you're are you working on other pieces too do you have other books that you're thinking about cooking on why do i yeah yeah Mm-hmm. One of them is there's been so many gems from all these interviews, so you don't yeah. have to listen to 90 hours to get some great stuff. I, th- I was thinking about taking all the, the bullet points and best stories and um, and combining those in a book. And yeah, I got some I got some stuff I'm working on. Yeah, good. Yeah, because I wanted to say that you have like plural, like books plural. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's really fun I feel talking that to coming. you. Okay, good. We, we feel it coming, so yes. <laughs> we like it. We like it a lot. Um, also, for our listener, if you go to wedontdieradio.com and you check out the episode of Laura Scott, I have her links to everything we talked about today and more, how you can get her program, uh, Meditation, Magic, and Miracles, her website. She's got a YouTube channel and a Facebook page and her email and uh, toll-free phone number if getting in touch with her is something you'd like to do. Um, anything else, Laura? Or we're going to wrap it up. Oh, I think I'm good. I, yeah. I think it's, it's been a nice conversation with you, and I've enjoyed it immensely, and um, it's been a some pleasure. Yeah, it's a, a pleasure, pleasure for me, too. So thank you very much. And for our listener, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. And I hope you listen to more. I'm here, or we're here, to empower you to have the best life possible. Yes, we want them to be entertaining. Yes, we want to give you information that your loved ones are still around, that no one uh, you have loved is lost. They're still around. You're going to see them again. But most importantly, our life here on Earth is important. It's for a reason. Um, it's for soul growth. We may have some roadblocks, and that's a great time to uh, talk to somebody like Laura or do some self um, 
inspection and meditation and things like that. But my name is Sandra Champlain. I have been your host on We Don't Die Radio. Remember to go to wedontdieradio.com and look for lots of episodes. Join the Insiders Club where I give you a whole bunch of free, cool stuff. Anyways, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Oh,